Really good to be here with you all. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, as Paul said, Neil and I, we, we started our ministries about the same time, walked alongside of each other for over 30 years now, and uh, he, he really does live what he talked about. Um, and so uh, I've really appreciated him, and um, it's, it's great to be here with you and uh, to be able to speak to you. I would like to just introduce myself. We're, uh, let, me, let me walk through my family, just show you some pictures of my family, and I messed up because I didn't include a picture of my wife and I. I have one in the folder, but she'll show up on here, so hopefully next time I can bring a picture of her and I dancing at our daughter's wedding. So that's, that's one of my favorite one of my favorite pictures of us, but uh, anyway, we've been married almost 39 years, and um, we live in Diamond Bar, sort of. We just bought a house in Ontario Ranch on Monday, at least we put the earnest deposit, the earnest money deposit down on a house in Ontario Ranch. Uh, the congregation is moving to Ontario Ranch, uh, actually Sunday, last Sunday was our last week in Diamond Bar. We were there 30 years, and then next week is going to be our first week in Ontario Ranch, so you caught me in between, you know, I'm not quite sure where I am. <laughs> exactly, but um, we're in between homes, staying with some friends in the church, key folks in our church. Um, <laughs> that's funny. I'm having to edit what I wrote here because it's totally out of date. Um, but we, we arrived in Diamond Bar in 1987, as Paul said. We have two kids, uh, a son, Thad, who's 32, and he is married to Gina. They have four children. Here's Thad and Gina. This is their engagement picture. Um, Thad worked in business for five years after college and is now in ministry on our staff at Church of the Valley. He's the administrative pastor. Uh, he tries to keep everything organized. He does well at that. Um, our daughter, Lindsay, just got married, as I said. Here's a picture of her and Luke, her husband, at the wedding. Um, her husband, Luke, works for Bell Helicopter, and Lindsay is... Uh, and administrator for the 17.6 network. Uh, she helps to develop and operate the training programs that support our aim to shape kingdom values in church members and church leaders. Um, here's a picture of our family at our church's 30th anniversary. Am I in the way? Can you guys see those pictures? <laughs> it's not going to work very well for me to duck, but... That's our family at the 30th anniversary. Um, we've sent out four, almost five churches in August of 2018. We're send, sending out the fifth uh, couple and a launch team with them. We're sending out eight, eight folks uh, to go plant the church in North Fontana, which is not that far from where we'll be. And, and then here, here, here's the highlight, my grandkids. So these, these are, uh, this is, um, Blake over here is the oldest, this is Jeremy, Ellie is in the middle, and that's 
JB, we call him JB, Joshua Barrett. He was just born in that picture. Here's another picture of JB, um, and that's right after he was born. He, he's currently the star. I don't know if they're going to have another one that's going to displace him, but displace, displace him, but anyway. <laughs> um, okay, a little bit about myself. I was raised in a Christian home uh, in Southgate, California, which is eight and a half miles from downtown Los Angeles. Uh, raised in L.A. City schools, and I joked at lunch with a group that that explains a lot about me, but honestly, I got a pretty good education in, in, the, in the elementary school. Um, at the age of 14, I sensed a call from God to be a pastor. That, that really scared me, and I fought it for about eight or nine months, but I finally, in, in the church I grew up in, you, this is the way you said it, you surrender to preach. That means you're going into the ministry, and I honestly, I, that's what it felt like. I finally surrendered to be, to be uh, in ministry. However, I did have a competing interest, which was baseball. Um, it took a few years for God to graciously help me uh, need that out of my system, need K-N-E-A-D, um, and choose what's most important to him for me, anyway, it took a while. My plan was to play baseball in college and then the major leagues so that I would have a platform to preach from. You know, I would come on, I would be, I would be more well known um, if I could do that. So I pursued baseball in college for one semester at Baylor University. I was playing on the baseball team there at Baylor and uh, I was playing very well in the winter, uh, but I was miserable. And, and here's why. I was, I was already registered for uh, college at California Baptist uh, College, and now it's university. And I, I was offered by the baseball coach that if I made the baseball team at Baylor, then I'd get a scholarship the next semester. And so I, I didn't even check with God. I just thought, that's in line with my plan. That's what God wants me to do. Because I'd love to be the star of any show that, that happens. And so I, I, I went there, and I played. As I said, I made the team, playing great baseball. But really miserable, and I think the core reason was I was in rebellion. I wasn't doing what God wanted me to do. I hadn't even checked with God. I didn't even care. I just kind of put my blinders on. And I was driving around, probably going to my sister's house, because she lived about an hour and a half away, and I went there every weekend, and my brother-in-law was an army officer training men for war, and I would go sit and mope around the house with my head in my hands, crying, you know, about not being home. And uh, I thought about that later. I thought, he's training guys my age to go to war, and I'm acting like a baby, at his house all the time. So I'm sure that did it. Anyway, I earned a nickname Dillard through that process. He, he used to call me Dillard. And then years later, I don't know why, I'm way off the page here, by the way. <laughs> but years later, uh, it, it, my nickname got changed to Randino. That's when I knew, that's when I knew I'd made it, okay? Um, 
But anyway, I was probably driving to their house through the back roads of the Waco area, and um, I was listening to an interview by, uh, with Bill Russell. Do you guys know who Bill Russell is? NBA star. Uh, he had just retired. He was a great basketball player, about seven foot, played for the Celtics. They were interviewing him and asking him uh, why he decided to retire when he did. And he said, well, I decided to retire when I realized I'm a grown man running around half naked trying to throw a leather ball through a round hoop. (laughs) And when he said that, God said, Randy, you're not doing anything better than that. You're trying to hit a little leather ball over a fence, or you're trying to throw it to second. I was a catcher. You're trying to throw it second before the guy gets there. And so that was God's way of getting to me, telling me that while baseball, sports may be God's plan for some, it wasn't his plan for me. So I, it's, that's what God used to get me focused, redirected and focused on my calling, and Evidence of God's plan for me is when I went back to California Baptist College, um, two very important things occurred. The first one is I met my wife, Cindy, and she has been a fantastic teammate for me, and I'm, you're really missing out that she's not here. I am so bummed that she's not with me. But she's substitute teaching right now, and so she had a couple of assignments she committed to a long time ago before this opportunity came up. And um, that's the way she is. She's not going to back off on a commitment, and I wouldn't ask her to, even though I wish she would. <laughs> she could have got out of it, maybe, but she it's a long story how it worked out. She was thinking about asking off, but anyway... Okay, I'm just, you guys need to pray that I stay on track. <laughs> um, so anyway, she's been fantastic. She, one thing about Cindy is I knew that since I was going into ministry, I needed somebody who was not just, who didn't just know God and claim to be a Christian, but somebody whose heart was really committed to the ministry. And honestly, uh, She's, she's been more committed than I have been at some times, and she's held me to the fire, and that's what I've needed. Um, she's, she's a lot more selfless than I am, so that's, that's been a real good example. <laughs> she loves people, and she's, she's a helper. If she thinks you need something, she will do whatever she can to help you get it, and uh, I, I really deeply appreciate her. Uh, The second thing that happened is I met a man who began to disciple me, uh, Thad King, and uh, through him, I became a part of the network of men and women that I'm a part of. Got connected to Harold Bullock, uh, and the thing that's always drawn me to this group of guys and gals is very serious about our calling before God. We're serious about the mission God's given us, and You know what? Every person, I believe, wants to make a significant contribution in ministry or in life somehow. Maybe not, if you're not walking with God, not ministry for sure, but 
we want to be making a significant contribution, and that's what I've seen, and that's what drew me to be a part of the network of folks that uh, we're a part of, 17.6. In our sessions this weekend, I'm going to walk through what the Bible says about foolish strategies. Uh, folly and foolish strategies will block the path to making an impact on the world, to being uh, a person whom God can use to make significant impact. And he's graciously given us the opportunity to look in the mirror of his word and identify uh, counterproductive strategies that derail us from the life he wants. If we don't keep some things in check with God's help, they will ruin us. And so we're going to look at those things. But really, one of the main reasons we're looking at the foolish stuff is so that we can reject it and move toward wisdom. That's really what God wants. In Scripture, wisdom shows the path to living the life that pleases God and blesses people in, in, around us in our life, and which turns out to be a blessing to us. Now, what's interesting is in Proverbs, the first eight chapters particularly, wisdom is personified as a lady. So wisdom's a lady, and you discover that in, in Scripture, what you discover is God is very gracious, but wisdom is not. You will pay if you don't live wisely. You will reap the consequences. If you choose folly, you are going to pay a price because God is gracious, but wisdom is not. Proverbs 8.17 says, I love those who love me. And those who seek me diligently find me. So if you don't pay attention to her at all, she's not going to give you the goods. She is not going to show you anything about wisdom. Now, God loves the whole world. But notice, wisdom loves only those who love her. And this is something we need to grasp. So this week, we're going to be looking at the opposite of wisdom, folly and foolishness. And our goal is to recognize that foolishness so that we can avoid it and move toward wisdom. The Bible gives very, very clear descriptions of folly and the profile of several fools that live out different versions of folly. Um, when, when you see the Bible's profile of these characters, you're going to recognize them. You will see them in the mirror. You will see yourself in the mirror of God's Word as we uncover the, the truths there. And so we're, we're going to look at these profiles because they help us uncover such a source of much frustration in our lives. And if we can see what's going on and move away from it, we can really get some victory in our lives. So first, before I launch into the different profiles, I'm going to give you an introduction to the five fools that we're going to look at this week. Um, before I do that, I'd like to step back and um, look at why we do what we do. Uh, in the Bible, God lets us see into our hearts, the good, bad, and the ugly. And 
it can seem like our behavior is a random string of choices in response to our environment, but in reality, our behavior springs from what's inside of us and always has a purpose. We always have a purpose for what we do and say. Um, I'd like to show you a clip from the movie Inside Out by Disney Pixar. Uh, it, this is an attempt to show what goes on in our hearts as we choose our words and actions. Let's watch it together. So that's really well done. Um, the movie shows how the emotions of joy, fear, anger, disgust, and sadness, hopefully staying in the little circle, are driving what we say and do. Um, it's very well done, but there are deeper roots to our choices. And thankfully, the Bible shows us the deeper roots. Uh, there are things pushing our buttons, but we can gain some clarity as to what they are through the Word of God. Uh, what we do and say flows out of our heart. Matthew 12, 34 through 35 says, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The good person, out of his good treasure, brings forth good, and the evil person, out of his evil pressure, uh, treasure, brings forth evil. So, Jesus is saying here that our heart is like a reservoir that's the source of our thoughts, our words, and our actions. If you trace what we say and do down to the roots, they flow out of our heart. There's much more going on with a person than what we see on the surface. Proverbs 4.23 then says, Keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flow the springs of life. It's interesting. Joy said we're going to have we're going to have good days, then we're going to have a good life, and then we're going to then we're going to you know it's going it's going to be all good. That's Joy's goal in the in the little Pixar clip. Um, it reminds me of Psalm 34. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. If you want to have a good life, you gotta, if you want to have a good day, that was really, I don't know if you guys say this anymore, but when I was younger, you know, hey, have a good day, smiley face. You know, <laughs> have a good day. Um, if you want to have a good day, that's what you do. You turn from evil and you do good. And so we have, to, we have to learn, if we can learn what's going on in here, that's where it all starts. Our heart is like the cockpit of our lives that directs, direct, that we, we make choices as the guidance control center for life. All my actions, reactions, choices, words, thoughts, strategies flow out of my heart. So we're commanded in Proverbs 4 to guard it carefully. Now, in this passage, you get the idea that our hearts need to be on a 24-hour surveillance system. You know, we got to keep watch over them. It, it, physically, it's a good idea to go to the doctor. Right now, I'm, I'm, this just reminded me that I need to go for my checkup. <laughs> you know, once a year, you go to the doctor, and they monitor your heart. They make sure everything's going okay. Unless there are problems, then... It's more often, but according to this, the heart needs constant monitoring. monitoring. Uh, God wants to help us with this, and he wants to help us develop a heart that produces good. 
He gives a lot of understanding. And through the Scripture, there's, He gives us an x-ray into our heart, into what's going on. Um, he gives us a very accurate picture of what's going on inside. And what we discover is that we have three problems that are sad. Um, have, you ever, have you ever said something and thought, where did that come from? Oh, it came from your heart. <laughs> or have you ever done anything that didn't quite make sense to you? You had a reason for it. You'd have to just stop and unwind it and go down to the roots and try to figure out what it was. But you had a reason for what you did and said. The Bible's x-ray shows us that our hearts are selfish, arrogant, and demanding by nature. This is why our words and actions can make others sad. And then we end up sad as well. Um, there, there are three problems. The first one is found in Proverbs 22.15. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Uh, the word folly in this verse is the S in sad for selfish. It's from a Hebrew word, eveleth. Um, is that on there? I don't know if, I don't know if that's on there, but uh, I-V-V-E-L-E-E-T-H. You don't need to write that, I guess. But it translates, really what it means is a stubborn self-centeredness. A stubborn self-centeredness. I want my way. I want what I want. To verify the reality of 20, uh, Proverbs 22.15, you do not need to do a lot of research. You only have to go to like the local daycare center. I'd like to show you this, this little video that is evidence of it. It's called toddler hijacking, carjacking, toddler carjacking. There you go. Simple way to verify the truth of Proverbs 22:15. <laughs> We're born with a stubborn desire to get what we want. Now it's fascinating, isn't it? There's a nice shiny new car that that guy could have got in, but he wanted the other one, and he went for it. Ended up hurting the guy. Toddlers don't need training in this. They're born with it. They're born with it. It has to be trained out of them, or they will be very unhappy as they grow up. The verse here says that the problem is bound up in us, which means to tie or bound. Um, this heart pro problem is so deeply re rooted in the human condition that we don't even notice that we're stubbornly determined to get our way. We become more sophisticated than those two little guys or the guy that was yanking the other guy out of the car, but it's still there. And we have to keep choosing against it. Two more heart problems are revealed in Ecclesiastes 9, uh, 3. Also, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil and madness is in their hearts while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. Uh, Solomon was in midlife crisis when he wrote Ecclesiastes. One thing I appreciate about it is, is brutal facts. <laughs> this is the brutal fact. But... Uh, the word madness is a word used for arrogant in this passage. Uh, and it's madness because 
The Bible says whenever you exalt yourself, you put yourself opposite of God. In other words, you're going, it's like you're lining up on, you know, on the football field. You get on the line of scrimmage. You look across, and there's God. That's, that's basically if you are an arrogant person or you choose arrogance in a situation, you're exalting yourself, and that God comes against that. So uh, this arrogance, it, it's, the Hebrew word is halela. Uh, which means to exalt yourself. It's, it sounds sort of like hallelujah, doesn't it? Hallelujah. But hallelujah means to praise God, to praise the Lord. Hallelah means to praise myself. Our third heart problem is found in the same verse. It's damaging. And it's the Hebrew word raw, which means, uh, which is translated evil here. And often, most of the time, it is translated evil, but literally, it means harm. R-A means to harm. I, I don't, I don't want to hurt you, but I will <laughs> to get my way. I want my way. I deserve it. I don't want to hurt you, but I will uh, to get my way. All, all of us tend to lash out against people who block our goals. And we tend to run over them or pull, try to pull them out of the, the little tyke's car. And it crashes on us and we cry. Um, selfishness, the scripture sort of gives a hint that it can be trained out of us. I mean, I'm still waiting, but it can be. I mean, we can keep it in check. We can deal with it. Uh, but the arrogant, dam damaging side of us is something we're going to, it's a lifelong battle. It's always going to be there. It's there. Uh, Solomon said, it's, it's there in our hearts while we live, all our days. It's there. Um, they, these things don't, don't just lie dormant in us. These three heart problems, they, they push buttons like the characters in the Inside Out clip. They're in command central, and they're pushing buttons in our lives. And what comes out is our words and our actions and our attitudes to try to get our way in life, try to achieve our purpose, because we deserve it. We don't care sometimes if we hurt anybody to get it. Um, so these drive the strategies that people use to get what they want. Um, you, you can find, as I mentioned, a profile of five different fools in Scripture that are committed to these strategies. And when we just allow our hearts to pursue what we want without restraint, we experience this we, a ton of trouble. My mentor, uh, Harold Bullock, uh, who was the guy who discipled Thad King that I met in college, who discipled me, um, he, he did a study of wisdom and folly, and really all of my talks are, I'm using his notes on these talks. Uh, he's, he's the one that did the study, but he, he's in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, his, the Hope Church is in Fort Worth, and there at the time, <clears throat> churches were talking about, uh, there was a group of churches who were more on uh, uh, an edge of 
if you just trust God and you pray, then you're going to have success in life. And so he got curious. It's called the prosperity teaching. And he got curious about what the Bible actually says about success. And he did about 15 years of study trying to figure out what the Bible says about success. And then he realized that wisdom shows the path to success. So wisdom is a very key factor to living biblically. Really what we're talking about is how to live biblically and how to avoid foolishness, which he spent another five to seven years studying as he began to study wisdom. He realized that folly is the opposite of wisdom. And you're either in the realm of wisdom or the realm of folly. And so he dug in and started diving into uh, folly. But he found that wisdom is the path and the way to make the right kind of progress toward good goals, the goals that God wants us to experience and accomplish in life. Folly is what derails us from that. And there are two giant categories in the Bible of wisdom and folly. They're not the only categories in the Bible, but they're two giant ones, wisdom and folly. One of the things he found as he began to study folly specifically is that there are nine Hebrew words for fool. You know, the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew. There are nine Hebrew words. In English, we have one word for fool. So you, you get the picture that there's a lot more depth of understanding if you dig into the Hebrew. Five of these words can be traced in Scripture to create a profile of five distinct fools. These profiles provide categories for dealing with life, um, the five fool profiles. We humans, we use categories to evaluate what's happening in a given situation, and we use them to decide how to respond. We're always reading circumstances and deciding how we're going to respond. In junior high and high school, we have categories like geek, nerd. Well, we did. Okay, I don't know if you do. I don't know what your categories are. Geek, nerd, Lodi. Lodi. You ever hear, you know, guy who liked to smoke? <laughs> anyway, jock. Did I say jock? I'm stirring it up, aren't I? Okay. Um, anyway, depending on the group you're in, whatever group you're in, everybody else is not cool. Okay. The nerds are generally not cool until they're the ones pulling in the six-figure salaries later on after they get, get to work. Um, they get much cooler through the years. But whenever we look at categories like the ones we're going to look at this week, we're going to look at foolish strategies. And we're going to gain some new, you're, you're going to gain some new categories for looking at life. It's very tempting to apply those categories to everybody else, um, especially since we struggle with native arrogance. We all got Halela in us. And so since we struggle with that, we're tempted to, we, we, we see this profile and a picture of a person comes into our minds and we want to apply this to them. 
I want to encourage you. As we walk through these profiles of the five fools, apply them to yourself. Don't use them to judge people in your life. Very tempting to do that. You're, you're going to see their traits in the mirror, uh, and you'll recognize these characters among your family and friends. But don't, but don't use them to judge others. Apply them to yourself first. And then only use the categories. They, they are very helpful uh, if you want to be a help to other people over time. But first of all, you, you got to see how it works for yourself. So we'll be spending the rest of the week looking at the five fools. I'm going to introduce you briefly to the, the, these characters, uh, and we'll get more acquainted with them over, over the next day or so. We've got a day. It's going to be packed. Um, here, here's the five fools. This is uh, drawn by one of the guys in our church um, who's an artist, and you can see them there. Each of the fools are represented in this, and I'd like to play a little match game with you. I'm going to describe all five fools and then go back and ask you which fool you think is represented up there. Uh, first fool is uh, the easy way fool. Um, the Hebrew name for him is Kassil, but he's happy-go-lucky guy. Uh, he doesn't want to put in too much effort, but has high hopes that everything's going to work out okay. Uh, the reactive way fool uh, is a person that uh, uses upset to get their way, and people tend to walk on eggshells around them uh, because people, you know, she's trying to force her agenda. Uh-oh. Now you know she's a she. <laughs> and then the fun way fool the main goal of this character is to have fun at all costs pleasure is at the top of their list of priorities the glory way fool they grab the spotlight push their way into it in the predatory way this fool is the most dangerous they thrive on causing pain they've just almost given themselves to that that raw heart problem um so okay who's who do you think is the reactive way fool you can go by the numbers, one, two, three, four, five. Two, yeah, okay, since I said she's a sh that was too easy. All right, how about the, uh, the fun way? Three, yeah, yeah, and then the easy way. Glory way, obvious. The, uh, what, what, uh, the predatory way? Five, yeah. Hey, you guys did good. He did a good job drawing those, didn't he? Yeah. Um, Let's walk through a little more detail about each of these. As I describe them, try to, try to identify the pattern you lean toward. I have my favorites, and so I'm going to share those with you after I walk through them, but try to identify the pattern you lean toward. First, the easy way fool. This is the kasil, K-E-C-I-Y-L in Hebrew. Uh, Here's some characteristics. They're confident and hopeful in the wrong things. We're going to go back over these in more detail. So I don't know if these are in your notes or not, but they'll, they'll be there when we walk back through. They're lazy and they're easily angered when they get caught slacking off. 
Ease is of utmost importance to them. And their strategy is to find the magic key that's going to unlock the easy life. The secret to success. It can be the last book they read, a seminar they went to, a conference they attended, (laughs) a new approach to relationships they heard about. They're looking for anything, an easy way, a magic key that's going to unlock the good life. The second foolish strategy is the reactive way fool, and in Hebrew, evil, E-V-I-Y-L. This fool has a favorite tool for getting their way, and it's upset. They're easily upset, so you're hesitant to disagree with them or try to adjust their plan or deal with them in any way. This fool, they use anger, upset, and manipulation to control others through emotions. The fun way fool uh, is the sackle, C-A-K-A-L, and they're impulsive, reckless, irresponsible, they're blind to consequences. If they want something, they go for it, and they don't consider the cost. Um, Serious, life-dominating problems accompany this fool. The glory way fool is the fourth one we're going to look at. They always want to be the center of attention right now. They want, they want attention right now. They push ahead. They step on people along the way. It's a devastating way to live. There are two versions of this fool. There's sort of a criminal version, and there's uh, just a, a less criminal version, just like they, the star of the show kind of thing. They want all the attention. Um, uh, it's really hard to have a dialogue with these guys. Uh, they talk incessantly about themselves. They try to grab for the glory. And the tool they use to get what they want is pushiness. They push their way forward. Uh, those first three are related to eveleth, the, the sad, the selfishness, the sad, in the sad heart. This fool, the glory way, is related to halela. That, that arrogance, the A for arrogance. And then finally, the predatory way fool is the Nabal, N-A-B-A-L. Nabal is the most dangerous fool with a devastating strategy. They're two-faced. Uh, <clears throat> they can seem very kind. Actually, they're, they can be very winsome, but they're drawing you close so they can stick the knife in. That's what they're doing. That's what these guys do. These, are, these people are ruthless. And one of the helpful things about Scripture is it's very true to life, and you realize you've got to watch out for these people. They're there. They're out there. They are cruel. If they could pull off a win-win situation, they will go for a win-lose. They want to win. They want you to lose. They want you to, to feel pain. So this fool flows out of the raw in our hearts, the damaging part of sad. My favorite foolish strategies are casil and sackle. I would prefer a life of ease, and I've chosen to fake it at times when I get caught slacking off on my responsibilities, and it really makes me mad when I get caught. <laughs> I, I'm growing, okay? I've grown away from that tendency somewhat, but I also love to have fun. 
And many times I thought what I, I've said was cute. I thought I'd try to be cute. I thought it was humorous. And it ends up hurting somebody just because I want to have fun. And so those are my two favorites. Um, I, I've done all kinds of things that I considered fun and ended up paying a price for it. One time, when I was five, I had a girlfriend. And uh, I, I crawled up in a tree. This is how I was expressing my love for her. I crawled up in an apricot tree, and I began to throw apricots at her. And I... I followed through a little too strongly one time. I fell out of the tree onto my arms, and I broke both arms at the same time. That's what this fool does. They just do something they want to do, and they end up... That's how I went to kindergarten. I couldn't feed myself in kindergarten. (laughs) Because why? I was a fool. (laughs) That's why. Which is your favorite? Which one's your favorite? You don't have to say it out loud. (laughs) But circle the one if you're using the notes or just write it down. Circle the one that you think might be your favorite, that you suspect is your go-to. Of course, the underlying problem in all this is that a sad heart creates life-dominating problems. Uh, If you just give in to it, you just go with your heart. We're encouraged to go with our heart all the time in our culture, if you just give in to your heart, it wrecks havoc on your life. James 4, 1 through 3 says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because... You ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. This passage clearly lays out that source of much frustration is the sad heart. And if we let it win, if we let it control us, and we don't get God's help, then we're in a bad way. We're headed for a very frustrating life, not only for ourselves, but also for the people around us. The passage tells us the core problem. We don't ask God for help. This is a major characteristic of all the fools that we're going to look at. They're trying to get what they want without considering God and what His his way is and what He wants. He's the number one factor in any given situation. He is number one in any circumstance. And the foolish thing is try to, trying to get what you want out of that circumstances, out of, that, out of our circumstances without thinking about God and approaching it from his angle. So that's why it's so foolish to do this stuff. They're trying to get what they want without factoring God's involvement in life into the equation. They don't think he's paying attention. This leads to all kinds of animosity and frustration. When people don't give me what I want, that's animosity. I get angry. And I use all kinds of strategies to get my way, and other people get angry as well. Frustration, nobody wins. 
We, we don't reach the goal we intend because our actions are so counterproductive and ruin relationships. These are some of the problems that grow out of our heart. The good news is that God wants to lead us away from folly toward wisdom. And we're going to pick this up in the next session. <clears throat> but Proverbs 10, or 9, 10 through 12 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied and, your, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. Wisdom. Not very gracious. The realm of wisdom, you pay if you don't choose it. Wisdom's the opposite of folly. Without God and the wisdom He provides, foolishness and consequences of it become all we have and there's no hope for us to change. We need God. We need the fear of the Lord. It's the breakthrough point into the realm of wisdom. So we're going to look over some foolish patterns that wreak havoc in our lives if we just let them roll like we, we natively do and hopefully see the path to avoid them with God's help. That's our goal. I'm looking forward to walking through this with you. Um, if you can identify any selfish arrogance or damage in your approach to life, God wants to help you move past the frustration of all that. And so over the next couple of days, let's ask God to show us the connection between the frustration we're experiencing and the folly that we're giving ourselves to. And if you haven't yet decided to follow Christ... I don't, I don't know where everybody's at. I'm hoping that you see more and more value as we walk through these sessions, more and more value in giving your life to follow him. Tremendous benefit. And he will lead you toward wisdom as you learn to follow him, and he will make life good for you as you choose him. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your kindness to us. You are so good. You are so gracious that you even use the pain of folly to draw us to yourself. This is what you want. You want us to turn from our folly to you, to ask you to help us, to grant wisdom, to give us the ability to choose the right way that will bring your blessing through us to others. I pray that you'd help us to gain wisdom and insight as we walk through these times together. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.